Are you in Vancouver right now? No, I'm actually in Toronto. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, based out of Toronto. So I'm, I'm helping out with Sights and Sounds doing this. I was actually at your guys' show about, uh, what, 10 days ago now in Toronto oh. at History. Oh, yeah. Just want to say, you guys crushed it. Like, big fan here, too. So it's awesome I get to sit down and chat, or virtually sit down and chat with you guys. Thanks, man. What did you that guys think about the venue? It was awesome. That was, like, one of the best venues on the tour. Vancouver needs a history. Yeah. yeah gotta I, get, I, we got to get Drake out there to sort it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't wouldn't that be nice? He starts opening up venues all over Canada, right? Yeah, That'd be great. Yeah, before we jump into it, I wanted to ask, um, you know what? You guys made it feel like Toronto was a hometown show. When you guys play in any city in Toronto, does, any city in Canada, does it feel like a hometown show for you? I mean, it depends where it is. Obviously, Vancouver's home home, but yeah, you know, yeah. uh a lot of my family's over on the East Coast. My mom's from a small town in northern Ontario, and so we, we had a lot of family at the uh, Toronto show and also I have some family in Montreal so like Vancouver Toronto and Montreal and also Tom and I have played there tons of times and early in our career you know we played Coda and Toronto and lots of small um, clubs and stuff in Montreal so I'd say those three cities have a very homey feel to us and you know you did some time uh, in Calgary as well for yeah a I mean bit. yeah I mean Canada always has that homey feeling you know a little bit like i mean not only because jimmy's family being there like makes it feel like you know home vibes but also just to be back in canada it definitely has that home feel so i love that yeah you know what because not a lot of artists these days like especially the americans they never make a toronto show feel homey like a lot of even canadian artists you don't you don't feel that as much from them like I saw an artist play at the uh, Scotiabank Arena the other day, and it just didn't feel like it was a hometown show for them. And they are Canadian. They're from this area. But you guys, man, I felt like it was a hometown show for you. I loved it. You guys brought the energy. And uh, so, yeah, just quick plug. Loved you guys. You guys were great. Awesome. Thank you. It was a fun one. It was a great crowd. Yeah, yeah. and the venue is beautiful, too. So big shout out to the guys at History. But uh, let's jump into it. So obviously, you guys have a new album, The Silence in Between. Where did the idea behind the name come? Um. It kind of came from this idea of like it being written in the pandemic and it was sort of like the end of our old life as we knew it and the uh, the, the the silence in between that and whatever was next going to come, you know, and um, the the record, you know, we went through as everybody did during this time, like a bunch of uh, we had to unpack a bunch of stuff, you know, silence can be uncomfortable and that period was kind of uncomfortable in many ways. There was for us a lot of questions about like, is our music career over? Will we ever be able to tour again? Like, who are we if we're not these traveling musician guys? Like our sense of identity was sort of being messed with. So, and purpose was being messed with. So that brought up a lot of stuff for us. And the record uh, was this sort of cathartic process of digging into that stuff and processing it and, and writing the songs for this album was sort of the way we coped with all that uncertainty and some of the fears around it um, and sort of made transformed it into hope. So the silence in between is a line from the song, the last song on the record, Believe, but it's just kind of, uh, it, we felt like it was a fitting title for sort of what the whole album was about and what we went through while making it. Awesome. Awesome. What do you think sets apart this album from the rest of the albums you guys have released in the past? Um, I think we just sort of distilled Bob Moses down like to the essence, sort of didn't hold back creatively. You know, it was kind of during the pandemic, 
like Tom was saying, we didn't know if we were going to continue to have a career or how it was going to happen. So it kind of felt like now or never, just like we took some creative risks. And I think it's sort of everything that Bob Moses has been about in the past, like that Rocky sound mix with dance music. And we just sort of show all the sides on that, on, on this record. Like, I think if it's like, what does Bob Moses sound like? You can point to this record and there'll be like a, a little bite of everything on there. Yeah. But when you guys are creating music, do you guys have the same similarities in music? Do you, is there one, one of you that has a taste in one thing and one has another taste and you bring it together to make the Bob Moses sound? Or is it you guys usually agree on a lot of things? We typically agree on most stuff. I think we have like pretty um, similar music tastes because we grew up in Vancouver together listening to the same radio stations, kind of, you know, influenced by the same stuff. A lot of like grunge and post grunge and like early 2000s rock and stuff. And um, and then we really like we're drawn to the same types of dance music. We're drawn to the same sort of bands like Depeche Mode and Tears for Fears and Radiohead and all these bands that have sort of throughout time done cool versions of making electronic music with the best songs they could write, you know, and that's sort of our goal. Um, I think the, the rule for us is like, we both have to really think we, we both have to give something a hundred percent vote of confidence for it to kind of pass the test, so to speak. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes like I might be super into idea an idea and Jimmy's not so sure. And then maybe he'll come around or maybe he won't. And then, you, but usually we end up agreeing, like even if I'm into something and Jimmy's not so into something and I'm trying to convince him, you know, you, and then we end up disagreeing like later down the track, I'll be like, yeah, he was probably right. It's not, or vice versa, you know? So we're pretty lucky in that sense that we see eye to eye on most things. And I think that we're both humble enough in the partnership to realize that if we don't see eye to eye, then that sort of, probably for the best you know like i mean the magic of bob moses is the two of us combined so although it might be nice to think that i'm always a writer he's always writers and we're pretty good at like yeah. uh, you know agreeing on stuff have you guys ever had a time where it's like one of you thought this song is an absolute hit the other one's like no 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 or vice versa maybe for a very short period of time but we're pretty good at like the good news is, is like sort of like the the truth always prevails like we're very open-minded and very quick to realize when that's not the case. And like Tom said, I think the, the asset is that like, you know, the project really is the Tom and Jimmy filter. It's like whatever we both like, that's what makes the cut. And those are usually the best ones. Have you ever had a time where you guys both agreed on something, maybe management or the lame, you know, they were like, uh, I don't know about this one. All the time, like tearing me up. When we first played that for people at the management label, no one was like overly excited about it. But Tom and really? I really believed that it was, special we didn't know and i one of the big things is like the first times we played it out live like people just stand there and look at us and we were like oh no maybe we're wrong <laughs> you know it was um well just because it's kind of like an atypical beat and like swung but it just turns out i think people were kind of going like oh shit this is really cool but they just would stand there and look at us and we'd be like uh oh like we really maybe we really messed up here and then um thankfully it ended up doing all right for us but it was pretty I think like it did you know, all right yeah the thing as you as you do this more and as you you know have varying levels of success with it you realize nobody really knows what's going on yourself included like you write music you have a good feeling about it you know usually your gut's kind of right like it's the kind of thing if you're dancing to it and feel it then somebody somewhere out there probably will as well um but you know all of it's sort of a crapshoot like you just try to make the best music you can and whatever you're vibing with and just hope 
you know, it connects with people. And uh, sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong. And sometimes you're really right. And, and it's uh, that's what keeps it interesting. Yeah, fair enough. I get it. It's crazy to think that tearing me up was something that the management was like, ah, I don't know. Turns out it's, you know, one of those kind of Bob Moses bangers. It's one of those big hits. But what's yeah. uh, take us to like the creative process when creating a, an album? Um, well, we have like, I think it's typically starts with like one of us making a bit of an idea. Sometimes we'll sit down together and start from scratch, but usually like somebody will have, you know, either like a, a, a bit of like a bit of music, like some drums and chords and a cool pad or something, or like, um, you know, maybe one of us will have a melody idea or like something like that. And we'll probably, we'll usually get it to sort of a rough state and then so that like the vibe whatever we think is cool about it is is sort of there and then we'll show it to the other person and uh, or send it to the other person or whatever and then you know if we both really are drawn to it we'll be like oh let's work on this and then we get together and work on it and um flesh out whatever needs to be fleshed out you know and it can be we usually get um the beat and the production and the song pretty well and melodies and like arrangement pretty well written or fleshed out in its entirety before we work on lyrics um if we're lucky when we're coming up with lyric ideas i mean sorry melody ideas parts of the lyrics will come like if i'm mumbling melodies or something i might say something and it, you know one of us will be like oh it sounds like i said this and because we'll record it and like listen back you know and and it'll be like oh that's a cool phrase what does that mean and then that'll kind of give us a direction for the lyrics but um, lyrics are always typically last. All right, cool, cool. And do you think that people place your your music in a certain type of genre? Uh, I mean, people ask us where do we think our music falls in, because it's like it, it's. I guess now it kind of falls into that alternative space, whatever that means. You know, <laughs> um, it's like all of the all the lines have been blurred over the last couple of years. Like basically since Billie Eilish came out, like it's like oh, now you can have like hip hop beats and, and alternative, but it's not pop. And, you know, it's like you can we sort of fit in this dance music, rock and roll space. We can play nightclubs as a DJ duo. We can go and play a venue like History as a band and people just accept it. And so, you know, it's not we're not like a stereotypical electronic act, but we're also not a rock band. So we just fit in that happy sort of middle space, you know, which I guess you can just call alternative. Um, that, that blank label right? yeah, that yeah blank. like alternative dance or like indie dance there's a bunch of there's a bunch of um genres kind of coming up around that i mean i think it's you know there's a few few bands that kind of do electronic dance music with songs and like maybe maybe more of a genre will pop up around us all but like you know indie dance or indie deep house or whatever is like a general thing but yeah, awesome. Awesome. Now you mentioned DJ sets. Do you guys prefer performing as a band or DJ sets? And why do you decide to do one or the other? Um, they're both fun. And we're lucky we get to do both because not that many people do, but we they're both creatively inspiring for different reasons. And they're both very different. And I think if we had to pick one, we'd pick the band thing because it's like more of a show and we sort of get to, you know, it's like really a lot of work to put that on but it's also extremely rewarding when it goes well because you know it takes a lot of time and effort and energy to build the set list pick a set list that fans will like you know run through all the songs and learn them with the band create the transitions do all the lights do it's like a lot of work and 
the DJ set thing is like less pre-production work and kind of just throw and go and fun. So when you spent like four or five months on a band tour, you can kind of go do the DJ thing and it just feels sort of freeing in a way. It's like you just show up the two of us and our, our tour manager tech, Alan, and we just can rock into a DJ booth, USB sticks in, Tom's playing guitar and singing. And it's like very sort of no frills and very fun. And, um, and then obviously after a while that it's like, Oh man, we get the, like during the pandemic, we were really like, Oh, I can't, we can't wait till we get the band back together and do like the, you know, play what you saw the other week. It's like, you know, so they're both so fun. And, uh, when we decide what to do, I mean, it depends on the situation. You know, we're not really going to go to like a club like Watergate in Berlin and bring the band. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, that was, or um, play like a very electronic leaning festival that's full of DJs with the band or like BPM or yeah, um, yeah. ARC in Chicago or something. It's nice to do that as a DJ duo, but then we can go do Coachella as the band and, and, and go do Lollapalooza. So it's, you know, it's great to do both. You mentioned kind of some of these amazing places. I want to ask about Sundream and Tulum. How was that? Where'd that come up with? How was it? Give me, give me the details on that. It was awesome. Um, that was spear. That was sort of the brainchild of Rufus. Um, they wanted to do, they mentioned it to us a couple of times. Oh, we're thinking of doing a little festival in Tulum. And it kind of like, you know, whether we'd bump into them on the road or hang out with them in LA, they'd kind of mention it and we're like, cool, let us know. And then um, they, they put it together and offered us proper dates and we made it all work. And it was rad. It was, um, they did two weekends and it was kind of like we, we went down and we got to stay in Tulum the week in between and kind of have a bit of a holiday, but it was really cool. Um, on the beach, the stage was like in the sand right beside the waves. Um, you know, beautiful breeze. They did a really great production and it felt like a really special, it was like three and a half thousand people, great crowd, great energy because on a, on a lot of these like sort of package travel festivals because it's kind of a bit of an effort to get there everybody's super just down to rage you know so everybody's like really happy to be there and like you really feel that as a performer um and you know it was like it was fun to play and it was fun to watch rufus and the other acts play and it was just a rad time awesome to do it again awesome awesome and what uh what are some of your favorite shows you guys played individually um, I mean, anytime we get an opportunity to play at Red Rocks, that's pretty amazing. That's like one of the best venues in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we also have had the chance to go to over to Istanbul quite a lot in Turkey. And we played in a like a cistern under the Hagia Sophia, which okay. was like pretty incredible. Like, a, you know, several thousand year old underwater aqueduct. that's like, you know, they put like yeah, four yeah. or five thousand people in there. It was nuts. Um you know, we've been very fortunate to play a lot of the major festivals of the world and travel a lot. And, and uh, we even got a chance, like we've been to Beirut, Lebanon and play. We didn't play it, but they have a, a venue there that we got to go to, which is like a underground bomb shelter. They converted into a club that the roof opens up and the roof has like a disco ball, like it's all mirrored disco balls. And then at sunrise, they open it up and like there's so many crazy venues and clubs out there. So we're like, that's just a handful. But um you know, yeah, we've had a lot of fun shows. You, you mentioned Red Rocks. Red Rocks is like my dream venue. I still haven't made it out there yet, uh, but like so many people, uh, iconic like people played there. I'm I'm dying to go. So hopefully, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it out there one day. Tom, what about you? Yeah, I mean the same. I, I'd say Red Rocks is the best. Um, the venues Jimmy mentioned, 
um, are pretty awesome. I think like, you know, it might sound cliche to say Coachella, but it really is one of the best festivals in the world. Um, playing that is always super impressive and amazing. Um, Electric Forest also is a fantastic, fantastic festival. It's super fun to play. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, uh, other than that, I mean, there's ton, there's too many to list, you know, it's like, there's tons of great festivals and tons of great venues. And, um, but those are some of the sort of top ones that, you know, if you had to like, if you had to model a venue or a festival after those, you'd be pretty good to do yeah, yeah. that as a guide, you know? Yeah. Speaking of some shows, obviously big show in Vancouver, the Malkin Bowl, May 21st. What can people expect at this show? I mean, it's a hometown show. So that in of itself is a very special thing, but uh, you know, we're going to be bringing sort of all the best things from the new record that have been working live over the last couple months and uh, the old classics throwing a cover for good measure. And, you know, we'll, uh, it's going to be a rocking show. I mean, it's our first time playing the Malcolm Bowl. And obviously it's a, a beautiful venue um, located in Stanley Park. So it's kind of like as a, as far as hometown shows go, like Vancouver in May, hopefully the sun is shining. Yeah. Um, it's going to be like, sort of like the perfect hometown Bob Moses gig. I feel like it's going to be awesome. I love that. Love that. And, uh, and lastly, what advice would you give to our young and passionate readers and listeners who are interested in making music, but don't quite know where to start? Um, the power has never been more in your hands and easily accessible than today. All you need is a laptop and like an internet connection and you can download you know, get, get Ableton, start there, get like a few plugins and just start messing around. And like, never has the barrier between good ideas and your speakers been less been smaller, you know, like you used to have to go to this fancy studio and the cost millions of dollars. And like you have all these people running stuff all at the same time to be able to get your ideas coming to the speakers. And now all you literally need is like a laptop and like some speakers. So I think that is really exciting and just like get stuck in and like start making stuff, you know, like this idea of like, write for the weight waste basket, just write with the intention that like, even you're not going to, you might not even keep it. You're just going to write. You're just going to try making tracks, choose your favorite records and just try to make tracks like that. And once you put in enough time, they'll start sounding good. And uh, then you're off to the races. I love that. Well, gents, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Uh, this is awesome. Hopefully I'm going to catch another one of your shows down the road. I know big tour coming up. You have more, more shows in the States, Europe. Uh, it's a lot of big things for you, so we'll make sure we stay tuned. But appreciate you taking the time to chat, and uh, hopefully we see more of Bob Moses in the future. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thanks, man. Take care. Appreciate it, eh? Cheers. Yeah. You like to drink and to smoke to take away the pain And I don't remember all of my mistakes and every high I got alone